0: This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Gary, go and fuck off. <laughs> there you go. Hey, RJ, you go fuck off too, see?
1: See, now we might be the thing each, because We're at odds with each other,
0: so... Yeah, and fuck you too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready. And for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to a year in 1982 to look at the John Carpenter classic, The Thing. That's right, guys. R.J. McCready, with 60 episodes in the bag, is finally getting around to doing The Thing from 1982, and stepping on board today, and boy, has he just literally just stepped on board, good old Gary Hill. Gary, how are you doing, man?
1: Oh, just, you know, leeching on whatever podcast I can, because uh, I don't know if he you know about guest spots. You don't have to edit guest spots, so that's always fun. Yeah.
0: To... <laughs> no, literally, Gary. I mean, I got a message from you about 20 minutes ago, and here we are, man, and I think as I just said to you off show sometimes it's sometimes it when you don't plan something it's the best way isn't it you just get on with it and just see what magic happens
1: <laughs> yeah for sure man glad, so, glad to be here for sure oh uh,
0: no it's always good to have you on the show Gary um, what have you been up to mate what's what you been you've been watching anything or? Um, nothing really
1: superb there's that there's not much out as far as like uh, big releases goes a lot a lot of rewatches and stuff and Some new stuff filtered in there. Um, Yeah, yeah, just catch it up with some old stuff. I always tell folks that, you know, especially when you're doing these, you you discover stuff that you haven't seen. So you tend to look for that stuff. And it's a a really entertaining thing because, you know, that's all this game called, you know, social media is about finding films that say, hey, that that plot line sounds awesome. And I'll watch that. And it could be garbage, it could be good, so I'll, I'll have more to report next time, basically.
0: <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, you know me, I just keep on revisiting all my old classics, because they never let down, you know, it's just, it's like comfort food, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what you're getting. But what I have watched, I don't know if it's your thing, Gary, is uh, The Mandalorian, the Star Wars series. I, I've,
1: I've started it, but I haven't finished it, And just not, not, that, not that I don't like it, I just never, haven't finished it yet.
0: Yeah, so I binge watched that, and I've got to say I really enjoyed it. Um, I private messaged Ricky Morgan because I know he's a big Star Wars fan, and he agreed with me. So it's like the Star Wars movie that we've all been waiting for, you know? Uh, it's just... Well, it's,
1: there's low, there's low off and Cub with the with the baby Yoda, you know, instead of the baby cart. It's it's uh... a yeah. I, yeah. I haven't I I had a little baby Yoda overload o- overload there for a while, so. That's probably why I haven't finished watching it, because
0: I was at the point where it was just everywhere. I was yeah.
1: like, okay, I'm fine with that, you know? It's uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> But no, it's like, uh, you know, without any spoilers because there might be some people listening to this that haven't seen it yet, but it, as a roundup, I thought it was like a Sergio Leone uh, meets Star Wars, you know? It's like a gunslinger doing yep. everything you want him to do in the Star Wars universe with some familiar characters turning up. I won't say any more than that, but I... R.J. McCready, guys, was thoroughly entertained for a episode. I absolutely enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, so that's a big thing for me, uh, just of late. What we we'll do then, guys, is that um, we will go back to, well, 1982. We'll go to Outpost 31. We'll get into R.J. McCready's helicopter, and we'll play you guys a trailer, and we'll see you soon.
2: Need some help down here. Can anybody
1: hear me? We found something. We found something.
2: We found something. Twelve men have just discovered something.
1: Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one.
2: You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things!
0: And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis for this film is a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shapeshifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. It's a horror mystery, sci-fi, it's an R-rated movie. And as we all know, guys, listening to this, it's a John Carpenter movie made for $15 million and backed by Universal Pictures. So Gary, The Thing Man, it's a film that I guess that you've seen just as many times as me. Um, do you remember the first time you watched this film? Oh,
1: I, I probably seen it way later than it came out. I could tell you that. You know, maybe you saw like bits and pieces of it on like those horror compilation. You know, um, like clip shows, like Terror in the Isles I'm pretty sure it had a place on there, perhaps. Um, but I probably saw it in my 20s, actually, before, yeah. after probably some other Carpenter stuff. But then again. My history, of Carpenter comes in in streaks. I mean, I probably seen Escape New York first because my father wouldn't shut the fuck up about Ox Baker being in the movie, so <laughs> right, I had to watch okay. that. You know, and um, you know, I I watched it in spurts, and that does probably one of the ones that came later because I think the first time I watched it, I didn't like it as much as I should have. That's interesting. But, you know, mm, I
0: like from, that. okay. from
1: from a yeah, well, you know, I, I was younger, you know, when you get older, you start to recognize things like like uh, the stuff that went into going to make the movie and, mm. you know, liking the characters a little more. But I, I, I can say that first time I watched it, I wasn't feeling it 100% like I would like a Halloween or an Escape from New York or anything else that I had seen at the time in the Carpenter catalog.
0: Okay, yeah, that's interesting you say that because um, the first time that I watched it it was actually my sister's boyfriend recommended it to me. He says, you've got to watch this film because he figured that I liked horror movies because I'd seen Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. He said, you need to watch this John Carpenter movie and I was about 15 years old at the time and he brought it over on VHS and I watched it and I was the same as you and I think that people, a lot of people will be surprised listening to this right now and I've never said this I wasn't, I was, I don't know whether it was just the um, gory special effects, but by the end of it, I thought, my God, what is this film? What have I just watched? And I wasn't taken by it straight away. But then when I started revisiting it, and as I got older, I started thinking, this film is, there's something special about this movie. Do you know what I mean? With the characterisation, the storytelling, the suspense, the atmosphere, and I really started to appreciate it as I've got older. And now, and I've heard a lot of people mention this with this movie. It's like the film that I can watch and I can rewind and watch again, and I never get fed up with it. You know, and it's just, um, it's just an, uh, it's just an amazing movie. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it, it just deserves all the credit that it's getting right now. Oh, well, I
1: wholeheartedly agree. You know, it's it's a great score, great, great everything in a movie. I just once you watch Big Trouble in Little China for like the 23rd time and then you see the thing and you're you're in that mindset it just kind of pales in comparison yeah. if you think about it that way
0: yeah it's, it's interesting you say Big Trouble in Little China because I like it that the fact that John Carpenter can be so diverse in his directing so he can make a film like The Thing and then he can make a film like Big Trouble in Little China um and it kind of goes the same with um Kurt Russell I guess you could say and this is like testament to him as an actor I think where he can play um, Snake Plissken R.J. McCready and Jack Burton they're all they're they're a familiar character they all sort of have the same sort of traits but they're very different but Mm -hmm. each one of those characters even though it's played by Kurt Russell um, how can I explain it? It's just like he brings his own to it do you know what I mean? It, and I think out of all those characters, and I'm not just saying that because we're reviewing this movie today. When he plays RJ McCready in this film, it's almost like he has got into so much character with him, with RJ that it, I, I forget that it's actually Kurt Russell playing that role. Compared to all the other stuff that he does, do you know what I mean? It's just, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's. Pro- I'll probably say it's probably some of his best acting in a movie do you know what I mean with all the suspense and uh, the way he takes control of this camp when it all goes to shit you know I
1: don't know he did play Elvis twice so there's that and oh he did didn't that's he that's always yeah. good
0: I know the first well, time well in a way
1: in a way he played Elvis twice if you love 3000 Miles of Graceland like I do uh, <laughs> he technically he played Elvis twice
0: <laughs> yeah that's right he played um, that was with um, oh who is it Kevin Costner, wasn't it? In, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that movie, actually.
1: It's it's, it's a stupid movie, but I happen to
0: love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, like i say everything else that goes with this movie. I think you just get the whole package as a horror movie, do you know what I mean? You get the suspense, the isolation, um, the practical special effects by Rob Boteen. He was only, I think he was only about 22 years old at the time.
1: Yeah, he was really young uh, protege of one Rick Baker.
0: Yeah. And then you also had the, um, uh, was it the cinematography boy, Dean Cundey, who, oh, yeah. who, who did a lot of movies with uh, John Carpenter in the early days.
1: <laughs> Not just that, he got some time, he done so many things. <laughs> yeah, this
0: is it. I think wasn't it? Was he involved with um, Halloween three season, The Witch as well?
1: Yes, Halloween three, R- Roadhouse. Oh, uh, back Patrick's... to the back to the, yes, Patrick Swayze, <laughs> Back to the Future. I met him once. We talked so much about these things, about stuff that I love that he's made. You know? Oh wow!
0: What We've I'm touched those...
1: beards. It, it, it happened, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you never washed your beard again, Gary. Eh?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I had to watch this. It gets kind of nasty, you know.
0: Have I was going to say, have you have you ever met Kurt Russell?
1: No, I have not. I have Kurt Russell autographed, but I've never met Kurt Russell. I mean, He's uh, never had the opportunity.
0: Because I figure he doesn't really do conventions or anything like that. I've never really seen no. anybody posting. I don't count it out, but I, I haven't met him before in that sense, though. No. What about John Carbons? Have you met JC? Once or
1: twice, at least once. Yeah, this is a long time ago, though. I got, um, I had a few, uh, autographs. So, a few autographs to go. I have a massive Halloween 3 poster that needs his, uh, his John Hancock on it. So, well, John
0: Carpenter on it. It, says it has to happen. But, um, <laughs> did, um it's, good, it's good stuff, though. Did John Carpenter touch your beard? Did you make him
1: smile? No. <laughs> One of those weird things. There were, I met him when he was kind of a douchebag. Because okay. I hear he's lightened up. Quite, I I heard he's lightened up quite a bit, you know, over the years. I guess from spending so much time playing video games, and spending time with his time with his sons. But um, what I meant he was kind of a. I don't know. I've had I've heard folks have the same experience where he's kind of wishy washy, and but that's that's okay. You, you, you can't you can't sully a master of of the craft, and uh. He is he is the keeper of many commercial flops that people enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's a good one, you know. isn't it? I think his um, autobiography, when I read it, is he's, he's the outlaw of Hollywood, isn't he? That's what he says. That's what he's proclaimed as, isn't he? he? Just uh, doesn't really give a fuck. You look he doesn't give f- a fuck anymore, really, does he? He's like he's he's like Snake Plissken, isn't he? Really, in character.
1: Yeah. If you look at the films he's made that 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 we love that did no business like this movie, In Big Trouble in Little China, and st- I love Starman. It's a big it's a big favorite of mine. Oh, um, yeah, I'm all right. But these films did no money at the box office. They made all their money on cable and in home video. But he's, again, a keeper of any commercial flops, but some, some some good ones too, you know. <laughs> some, ones that, some, some ones that made money. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that.
0: Yeah, I think some of his best stuff was in the 70s, early 80s, wasn't it? He kind of had a bit of a, you know, he did Halloween. Um, he did The Fog, Escape from New York. It all kind of went wrong when he made The Thing, didn't he? Which was a commercial flop, and critically as well, because it came out at the same time as E.T., didn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. And um, everybody was bought in with a friendly alien, weren't they? And then you've got John Carpenter having this vulgar um, alien that's taking people over, and there's all sorts of gruesome scenes in this movie, isn't there? And I guess yeah. at that time, people just weren't getting it, were not they? But now... Um, <laughs> I don't see any ET fan pages, and nothing against ET because it's another film that I do love as well. But there is no the following that this film has now got is just amazing, isn't it? With the fans and um, whenever there's a horror poll, the thing seems to be up there, certainly up in the top ten now, doesn't it?
1: You know, with this film and certain films, you know, like it. I mean, I mean I'm not saying this film took twenty years to find an audience, but I'd say it, it took a good ten years to find an audience it was there but it wasn't really there. Mm. I mean the fandom for Halloween 3 is is enormous now but people hated it when it came out. Yeah. hated its guts.
0: I mean what what's to say Gary one day, maybe there's hope for Ghost on Mars what do you reckon?
1: <laughs> oh. I don't like that. It has an amazing cast but I don't like that picture man. I'd rather watch the Village of the Dam remake than watch that movie again. Yeah. And, and that's got children with with uh, you know shooting white eyes and Christopher Reeve just just trying to act around it. But um, that, that's a that's a film he made. But um, <laughs> there
0: you go. yeah, it's it's one of those J C films. Has got a great concept. It just never seemed to work, did it? You know, it's just um, it's just I I, I still think there's possibly one decent movie still left in him to make. Do you know what I mean? Which he might surprise us with. And I'm talking about something completely different nothing that's, remakes that's, that's not Halloween. There's not Halloween no, nothing that's Halloween yeah. something that he did that he did in the 70s which he could do today do you know what I mean um, I mean I've always thought that uh, there's been a couple of, there was a film that came out what was it probably about 20 years ago which is Jeepers Creepers mm-hmm. the Francis Ford was it Francis Ford <laughs> Coppola or something like that I think he was executive producer on that but when really I watched, yeah,
1: I think he something like
0: that. Yeah. When I watched that, um, God, like I say, almost twenty years ago, I went to cinema to watch that. I thought, oh my God, this is this seems like the John Carpenter movie that he should be making today, just with all the suspense and I enjoy that movie, and I just thought it had those elements in it. So, um, but I don't know. Who knows? He might pull something out of the bag. But like I said, going back to JC, where he's sort of lightened up a bit, I I saw him. Um, doing his um, bats tour he did the oh yeah um, you know obviously getting up on stage and playing all his music and rocking like you know dad at a wedding you know he's <laughs> doing his dance moves yeah, and yeah, on yeah. the piano we had a whole ton of fun that night just, you know watching him on stage and I think that's like you say I think this is where JC has lightened up I think he's realised he's got a big following you know his fans love him and um, yeah I think uh it, it's good to see JC like that now, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just having a good time and getting the credit he deserves for these movies. And um, the other film I was going to mention as well, which seems to be getting some credit, is um, Prince of Darkness. Yeah, I,
1: I, again, another one that I didn't quite get when I first saw it. Yeah, but you know, if you, the, the, there's parts that I still don't get. But you got, you, you got you to love it, man. It's it's uh, it's so weird and. Just um, man, Alice Cooper stabs me with a bicycle in that movie, and I can't say that of any other movie that <laughs> Alice Cooper stabs somebody with a bicycle.
0: <laughs> That's got to be worth your your ten bucks for a cinema viewing, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> if nothing else, <kills. laughs>
1: just spitting that spitting that green goo. You know, oh, as a uh, man, we we, we did it. We did a commentary once, and so we deemed it the Devil's Bukaki. Okay, it's, yeah. It's, uh, so understand. <laughs> it's now that movie's wild, man, and I, I recommend it to people. And and I just ask them, so what would you think? You know because it's so different than most of the stuff he's ever done.
0: Well, I think <laughs> it, is, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's. I mean, I've rewatched that film a couple of times now. Late, I think it's always a late at night movie for me. And the more times I watch it now, the more times I think this is actually quite a good movie. It's got a really good soundtrack to it, and a lot of people I've heard on other podcasts people have you know talked about this movie and they've said how the character there's no real sort of leading characters in this movie do you know what i mean it's all an assemble of different people who aren't really yeah. taking the balls by the horn like rj or jack burn or snake Pliskin. but yeah, it, is, the- it
1: is kind of it, it is kind of a melee like he, like he said there's only, there's only one central character that's like the, the leader of the show in these carpenter films and that one is kind of all over the place but yeah, I can uh, like this it's all
0: over the place. But then I, I, I looked at it a different way and I thought maybe John Carpenter is trying to say that sometimes in these circumstances you don't always have a hero as such. You might just have a group of people who have like resurrected the devil in this case in this movie and they've all gone, oh fuck, I don't know what to do. And I guess that is kind of like the horror element in the story itself, do you know what I mean? Because you've got a bunch of people where... You know, the shit's going down and no one really knows how to stop it, do you know what I mean? And that kind of makes, from an audience point of view, you're looking for that protagonist and you can't find it. But I guess that's quite clever filmmaking in a way, if it makes sense, do you know what I mean? So
1: Well, it is one of those things where you got, sometimes you have more questions than you have answers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I watch no. films that just kind of end. And people complain that it just kind of ends as, well, come up with your own shit. What do you think is going to happen next? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's another, I mean, that's a good point. Nash. That's another John Carpenter signature is that he never actually finishes his movies, does he? Do you know what I mean? There's always a bit like, they live, isn't it? There's an alien on top of that bird, isn't it?
1: <laughs> all that yeah. Woman. Yeah, um, but they're all revealed at that point though. So they, they, they know who the aliens are and. In this one, we'll talk about the ending. I'm sure when we get to it, we
0: will get to that. The era, ending,
1: yeah, the, yeah. The ending is so subversive in this movie. about fan theories, and you know, what do you think about what do you think really happens? And after they, they go to credits, and you know, all that stuff, and we'll get to that. Though, for oh sure. yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, get into that. Should we have a talk about this movie? Then should we um, do a little bit sure. of a sort of review? So. Get I, it. I haven't actually done any notes. <laughs> I've seen this That's film fine. so many times. We will just let it I, go. I didn't, I didn't watch the film for this show,
1: so I said, I've seen the thing a bunch of times. Let's just talk about it. You know? Let's just
0: talk about it. So, obviously, <laughs> we've got the film that starts off with the... Um, we get the John Carpenter introduction with his name, which I always like, and then it comes up with the flying saucer, doesn't it? And then you get the credits come on with the thing, which is great. And I think they made that scene out of a what was it a fish tank and some paper and they lit the paper and that's how you get that effect so this is like some proper old school filmmaking right here yeah uh, we are on a budget good. you know yeah that's it and then you've got the helicopter haven't you and you've got the Ernio morocani and obviously a little shout out there to morocani because he's it's a late morocani now isn't he? he passed away yes indeed um so you've got the norwegian helicopter haven't you chasing after the dog and at this point, if you've never seen the film, you're sort of wondering what's going on. you got a bunch of guys taking out the dog. And then you're introduced to the guys at Outpost 31. I and mean, everything's kind of just ticking over, isn't it? In the cab they're playing, one of them's playing a the guitar. They're playing a bit of table tennis, aren't they? And then you've got good old R.J. McCreedy in his shack isn't he? <laughs> playing computer chess, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, he is. With his getting
0: getting angry at the computer chess, and uh, yeah, with that classic classic line, isn't it? Cheating bitch. Yes. And I think straight away, Gary, here you you are introduced. This very moment here is telling you everything about RJ oh, McCready is that he's a guy that won't take any shit, really, will he? And he'll even just you know talk back at this computer, and him chucking in the um, the JB, and you get all the oh, sparks bad. coming. <laughs>
1: j saying it must be Italian, see? Come on, yeah.
0: guys. <laughs> this is R.J. Uh, McCready saying I'm up in my shack, I'm a bit of a loner, but I'm not going to take any shit. Do you know what I mean? Straight there and then. That's a bit of character development. And he's almost sort of like parted himself from the others as well, is not he? Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like that sort of lone wolf in the camp.
1: Yeah, that's true, man. So then, They all got their kind of personalities, though. You know, some are like straight laced, some are more freewheeling and uh, he's kind of a loner though in that way
0: yeah that's it but he's with RJ what I like about him is he's the loner but then he's the guy that everybody goes to when something goes wrong isn't it and he's guys he's going to take charge which obviously happens later on in the movie so then you get the the dog comes into the camp you've got the Norwegians trying to shoot it and this is where you introduce the Gary he's kind of like the uh, security manager isn't he and he's just wondering when you, when old Capitan was going to use that pub gun, is not it? <laughs> From Palma, he shoots the Norwegian, didn't he, in the head. Um, and then you get, like, the explosion, didn't you, with the helicopter that blows up. I don't know, Gary, if I dropped a grenade, I don't think I'll go anywhere near it, would you?
1: No. I mean, eight seconds to death, you know. Yeah, be, this is it. Yeah, it's nuts. Unless it's a dud, of course, but you do take that chance.
0: Mm. So... You've got the helicopter that blows up. You've got the Norwegian who's trying to shout something out to warn them. Um no one can understand Norwegian, so nobody could interpret that. And then now you've got the dog that is infiltrated to camp.
1: That's that's the one thing I don't buy about this movie, is that they're in Norway and that one of them speaks the language. I, I don't I don't get that at all. No, <laughs> yeah,
0: you you just could like say you've got an engineer, and you? You've got a doctor, you've got a Security manager, but you've got no interpreter there, if you feel... You know, just in case you it's, need to go and speak to the Norwegians, you know.
1: It's a real small thing. It's a real small bitch, but I, I think that, you know, one of them should be able to speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> but then you wouldn't have a movie, so well, that's that's how it goes, guys. This you is know?
0: it. This is the conversation we have when we watch this movie. We, we say that. Yeah, but, you know, the film would probably be over quite quick then, wouldn't it? You know, at the beginning. And... Obviously, as we know, R.J. McCready thinks that they're Swedish anyway, doesn't he? So, <laughs> so now you've got some confusion um, and then you've got, um, oh, I should know his name. Is it the Norse, isn't it? T.K. Carter. And he's like the roller yes, skating Nors, chef, isn't he?
1: His magic roller skates, yes. Yeah.
0: And he comes in, then he goes, maybe we're at war with Norway. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. No, the Norwegians uh, has ever invited America, Gary.
1: <laughs> yeah, just like the somebody's nasty drawers that uh, invades his garbage can in the kitchen. Yeah, you know, what's so.
0: That's it. Yeah, can you stop trashing your dirty drawers in my kitchen? Awesome. Oh man, that's it. And this is the thing, isn't it? I think Gary, oh, the more times I watch this film, the more you know you got that character development, isn't it? You know, each character in this movie is memorable um, for all their different quirks and all that so now you've got some confusion, the guys are wondering what the hell was going on in that Norwegian camp and this is where everybody's kind of like turning a little bit to RJ to say you know, let's go and check out this camp, and this week you got Doc he says I want to go and have a look and again you get that um, line now don't you from uh, Bennings who comes in and goes, the wind's blowing up a little bit of a tad, RJ, isn't it? And he goes, that's okay, I'm going up anyway, isn't it? So, <laughs> and then you've got a sort of doped out palmer, haven't you? Saying, you know, well, nobody's asked me to fly the helicopter, hasn't it? <laughs> well, thanks for thinking about it. So you've got Mac and Doc who now go to the Norwegian camp. And this is where obviously RJ comes out and says, you know, hey, Swedes. And Doc comes out and says, the Norwegian Mac. And then you come to this camp, don't you? And it's all destroyed. It's burnt out. And I think this is a really cool scene. It's almost like the... It feels like an old haunted house that they're going into. Do you know what I mean? You've got that Ernie Morricani score. You're thinking when you first watch this, there might be a monster that might jump out on you. Um... You can see how cold it is because you can see the respite. Um, they're walking around. And you're thinking, this is pretty fucked up, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah, it's a it, it's, it's pretty ominous scene, you know, the, the, the whole exploration of the camp and what they find, of course. And it's a, it works real well with the score, of course, and yeah, all that good stuff.
0: And I'll say, Doc comes across some uh, camera footage. Um, they come across a victim, then a guy who's cut his wrist and then RJ finds an old gas lamp and he's walking around with his rifle and then this is where you find the block of ice um, with something that's obviously come out from it and then you just get RJ he's just sort of stood there looking at it and he's looking back at Doc. And th- this is the other thing I like about this film, there's not much dialogue. But sometimes you just get the reaction from expressions and RJ's just sort of looking at it thinking well what the hell's going on here do you know what I mean. And then they go outside don't they and then you see this burnt out sort of gooey monster or something that's been transformed which is obviously the thing which we later find out. I'm not sure I'd do what they do, though, Gary, would you? You know, it's like, I'll oh, go fetch me a shovel and we will take this back to base camp. Do you know what I mean? I just think... If that was
1: me... Well, you, you know, for for, <laughs> for 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 science, you know? Come on, man. It's, uh, no, I mean, it, it looks fucking weird as shit. I would love that it there too you know? But they're all like, we got to bring it back for, you know, them to check out. And, of course, you wouldn't have a movie then, people, like I said. So, yeah, this, they, is, this
0: is the other point, isn't it, where you think... <laughs> You'd probably be thinking about some sort of containment, wouldn't you? But no, let's just, in Hollywood, you just take your gloves off, get your but, hands all gooey, you know, just touch this thing.
1: But yeah, it, it looked diseased and nasty. So yeah, I, if it was me personally, I wouldn't touch it. But, no. you know, science. Come on.
0: Yeah, there you go, man. Science <laughs> in the 80s, man, is a good thing. So you get another helicopter trip. They go back to Outpost 31. And they take this thing back into the um, operating theatre and then this is where you get um, Blair, played by Wilford Brimley, who does a great part oh, this yes. movie, isn't he? And he's basically, sort of, he's basically saying, you know, well, you've got a perfect set of organs and he's cutting it all up, isn't he? And everybody's looking at it. And um, no one's got any masks on either, are they? Just breathing in all that sort of vapour, aren't they, from the thing? Which is another thing where, you, you know, because there's a lot of people that analyse this movie and you just think how people may have got assimilated. I guess it could have happened quite a bit on just this scene here, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Because there's a bit where Blair's got his pencil, isn't it? keeps on putting it back to his mouth. So.
1: Oh, yeah. You know. It's just the little stuff you
0: got to watch like that. And
1: that's, that just increases the paranoia of what you get and what you find out. You know. Yeah. And I think this but, is the thing but-
0: with... The reason why the fans keep on, because there's a page called Outpost 31 and people post stuff on there all the time saying, you know, just analyse this little bit and um, scenes like this to see how possibly one of the characters got infected and such. So they're trying to work out what this is and then Doc's having a look at the footage and then they work out that the Norwegians were spending a little bit of time somewhere northeast, a couple of miles away from the camp. And this is where RJ is now taking control, isn't he? He's just gone, well, you know, I'm going to go back up. And he flies back out to this spot. And I think this is a great scene where you actually get the flying saucer. And like I say, the more times i watch watched this, it's, it's obviously a, a clever special effect with a matte painting, isn't it? And the characters, yeah. and they go down. I just think this is brilliant. And... Um, I know you've only got a certain amount of running time for this movie, but wouldn't it have been great to have a scene where they actually go inside the saucer and do kind of what they did with the Norwegian camp where they walk around and explore. I just think that would have been another great scene in this movie, but I guess it just adds to the suspense in another way where you just, what you don't see is sometimes a good thing, isn't it, in a movie?
1: Yeah, for sure. And plus, you know, who knows how silly that, that would have looked if it was, you know, done on the budget they had. And just uh,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, so, I like
1: it the way it is. Put it that way. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't change a thing. But I, I just look back, and it's one of those things you think oh, that'd been pretty cool. But no, I wouldn't change it. So now you've got um, R.J. and Doc, and some people say that it's actually Palmer that went with them back to the uh, saucer site. Because there's that third character standing next to him I never realised this until someone posted that on Facebook And um, that's just how much detail is in this film that you can overlook sometimes So, RJ figures out that they, you know, the Norwegians blew up this saucer And um, Norris says, you know, he thinks that it's been in the ice for like 200,000 years So it's been in there for a long time um and then they're just starting to put the pieces of puzzle together now, aren't they? That you know, possibly this is an alien now. You know, with flying saucer, that's what they found. Yeah. Um and then you introduce the child, aren't you? He? And he's just a standout character, isn't he? He's just sort of there smoking. He goes, oh. Do you believe any of this voodoo bullshit, man? Do you know what I mean? He's just great.
1: <laughs> Keith Keith David is a, He's a magical man I, I, he just he keeps getting better with age and his roles that that he picks and I think this um, this is up there uh, he voiced Goliath in the gargoyle series that's probably top Keith David for me I know it's just voice acting but he plays it so well and uh yeah, people love child's man
0: yeah no, he's a great character for you know I think it's uh, the one that a lot of people recognize him for Plus the character who plays in, they live as well. Oh
1: um, yeah have you seen Have you seen the Nice Guys with um, Ryan Gosling and Yeah, um, yeah, I
0: have. Yeah, that's another good movie. Actually,
1: he's yeah. still a tough old man. Just yeah. beat the shit out of people in that movie, man. <laughs> he is. He,
0: he is a tough guy, isn't he? And um, apparently, John Carpenter wrote the, the um, character for him in They Live from this movie. J.C. J- 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 knew exactly who he wanted, and he said Childs. You know, uh, or Keith David, I want him for the, mm-hmm. the They Live movie. He developed that It's
1: form, it's a, It's almost the same character, if you think about it. Oh, it
0: is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As much as, um, I think, Kurt Russell, you know, in Bone Tom Hawk, where he plays the sheriff? Yeah. He is R.J. McCready right there, man. Do you know what I mean? When I watch yeah. that film, I'm like, oh my God, you know, he's got the beard. This is old man R.J. McCready. In the Wild West, you know, he even comes out and says the same sort of lines, you know. He just shoots that guy in the bar, doesn't he? And just says, "You're not going anywhere." <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> been a
1: while. It's been a while since I watched *Monteagle*, but yeah, I, I could, I could, I could see the distinction there. For yeah, sure.
0: definitely. Yeah, that was a that was a definite RJ Easter egg in that movie. So back in Outpost Forty-One, so our characters now, I, I begin to work out this is an alien life form. Um. so they they wrap it all up don't they and this is where is this now where you've got the dog isn't it It gets put into the cage
1: yeah it? he puts him in there with the other dogs and unfortunately this is a scene that's hard for me to watch because as an animal lover because unfortunately the dog one of the dogs is, is the thing and he starts to absorb the other dogs, mm. and there's there's part in the in the movie that I know I know makes my co-host cry too, where uh, the dog's literally clawing at the at the the, the 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 wooden door. You can see the claw marks and the blood from trying to save itself, and it's really hard to watch if you're an animal lover.
0: Oh yeah, and no, I get that, and that's probably one of the reasons why this film didn't do too well critically back in the day, because I imagine back in 1982, a lot of people probably would have. Found that hard to try and deal with, you know. Like you say, even as a horror fan. Um, but yeah, no. Like I say, it's quite a horrible scene, but it's quite an effective scene as well, isn't it? Because I think the clever thing here is that you are the monster is being revealed quite soon on, isn't it? Oh yeah, um, and about, I think about that,
1: twenty-five minutes in, something like that. That's too long.
0: And you're basically all the characters here here are now seeing the thing. They're seeing what it can do. They're seeing that it can can transform a dog. And you've got everybody panicking now. You've got Clark. He's (laughs) witnessing the the monster for the first time. And then this is. He's killing all of his friends, Clark up the dogs, man. And then you get some really good sound effects here now, don't you? And, you know, the, the sort of tentacles rippling around and then you get one of the characters come out oh, Mac needs a flamethrower Mac needs a what? Mac needs a flamethrower you know what I mean so when someone says Mac needs a flamethrower you better go and get it yeah <laughs> so um, Charles takes command of that Mac comes down doesn't he sort of sets off the alarm he's got the shotgun and he starts shooting and this is where Charles comes along with the flamethrowers and he opens up he sort of hesitates for a bit doesn't he and you kind of get that sort of it's like a sort of flower opening up, isn't it? And it sort of goes towards Charles and he lets off the flamethrower, which is... Well, a they, have,
1: they, have genu- they have genuine reactions to what they're looking at, which is like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you exactly, know?
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would be thinking that, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? You've, there you are in your outpost, spend a bit of time playing ping pong, playing some chess, and all of a sudden this shit is going down. Do you know what I mean? That is some real crazy shit, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Oh,
0: man. And I probably wouldn't be going in there too quick to put it out with the um, fire extinguishers either, which is another scene which always baffles me. I think I'll just let that theme burn out for a bit, considering what it is, you know. Or, or for them, they probably wouldn't know what it is, you know. Um. So then, after all of this, like I say, you get the first... Um, reveal of the alien and then you're back in the lab aren't you with blair and he's gone back again and he goes well this is what we got here guys this is you know this is a dog but it's an imitation isn't it he starts saying you know what if, what this thing was trying to do was trying to imitate a dog and um, this is now another piece of the puzzle isn't it and so then blair goes away and then he's got his Almost like a sort of Commodore 64, isn't it, with computer graphics? Oh, yeah. Uh, It's almost like the computer that he's got out of Remo Williams, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Which is what we talked about (laughs) on the other episode, where it can very cleverly tell you. You can input some information and it's going to tell you the probability of um, how long it's going to take for this thing to, you know, take over the Earth and what this organism can do.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, using that nineteen eighty two technology for sure.
0: Yeah. So then you've got um, everybody else at this time's going about their business, haven't, and then um, and then you've got RJ, isn't it? He just at this time he's kind of gone. Well, I just want to go up to my shack and get drunk. You've now got um, Benins and Windows, haven't you? Who are now putting this the thing away into the store cupboard and then this is where windows is saying to bennings he says you know what is this and then bennings comes out and says that's the find of the century that's going to win somebody the nobel prize isn't it and then windows walks out comes back in and then this is where the thing is taking over bennings isn't it oh yeah and um you've now got another reveal haven't you where you you can see that the thing is now taking over a human life form, being Benning's. It's going through the process and he, he's got these alien hands, hasn't he? And everybody runs he's outside. Got
1: the, he's got the one alien hand for sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and he starts, um, he starts like howling or moaning, doesn't he? And
1: it, it kind of reminded me of, um, the, the 78 uh, Body oh. Snatchers howl yeah. um, yeah. with, with the mouth open. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about that, and apparently John Carpenter hasn't homaged that at all, apparently. But I get that. I kind of thought that myself. And so everybody's surrounded on in a circle. We get, oh, Jay comes out now, doesn't he? And um, he pours some uh, kerosene out of the tanks, and he blows it up, doesn't he? And then This is where he comes back in, and then Gary comes in now, doesn't he? He says, oh, you know, Bennings was my friend. I've known him for a long time. This is where RJ's starting to step up a little bit now, isn't he? He said, that's one of those things out there, Gary. He said, this thing can now sort of imitate anybody, and who knows, that could be any one of us right now, isn't it? So then you've now got um, Blair, who's done all this research, and then you've got RJ, who's kind of gone... I'm just going to go up to my shack, get drunk. Um, and then this is where you've got Fuchs now, isn't it? He says, you know, I need to speak to you, RJ. And he says, you know, go and speak to him outside in the, um, Was it like the tractor or whatever they got, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And this is where good old RJ goes, Fuchs, you know, it's just going to be long because I just want to go and get drunk now, isn't it? And he says, I've been reading Blair's notes and th- these things are still alive. And then this is where you hear all that commotion, isn't it? You've got Blair, he starts kicking off and he starts chucking stuff around the room and trying to shoot everybody, isn't Yeah. So.
1: They want to be us, man. Yeah. I so- can't scream like that, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save you guys the microphone feedback. Yeah.
0: So, um, RJ goes in, doesn't he? Gets the table, punches Blair, puts him into the, um, Outhouse, doesn't he? All into the tool shed. and then this is where Blair goes, you know. Oh, you know, watch Clark, isn't it? All this sort of stuff. Oh yeah,
1: watch him close. Watch yeah.
0: him close, and then RJ comes out now with one of the best scenes, one of my favourite scenes in the movie, where he just says, you know, I've got get, we've got to get rid of all these um, uh, samples now, and he puts them all outside, doesn't he? he gets the kerosene. And he gets the flamethrower, and everybody is outside encircling him. And he stood there, and he? he's got his goggles on with the flamethrower. And he burns everything up. And this is where he comes out with that famous quote now, as he? he goes, I know I'm human, and some of you might be the thing, but if you all were, you're going to attack me. So that means that some of you are still human. And then this is where he comes out, he goes, there's a storm blowing in soon, so we're going to find out who's who. And I just think that's just badass, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? This is like, oh, yeah. Jay has now stepped it right up, isn't it? I'm in charge of this.
1: Anybody else could have lit a match. You know what? I need a flamethrower to light like this kerosene pile of monsters. It's yeah. A-
0: <laughs> but at the same time, when you watch this film, is that like you. It's very clever how they give you a reveal of the monster and then you get a scene where they actually destroy all the specimens and the more every time i watch this i always think at this stage they must be because they're trying to contain it aren't they stop it from spreading and at this point you feel like maybe they have because they've got rid of all the 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 bodies of the thing and they? they've burnt it all but now this is kind of like where it steps into the point now where they've got rid of all that but now one of your teammates is infected so you're at the next level of this movie of that sort of almost like a murder mystery isn't it, it there is a imposter in the camp and we need to find out who that is Um, which is a clever scene now isn't it this is the scene with the is it the petri dish It's like basically yeah. tied everybody up um, but before that, isn't it? This is where RJ goes. I need to go up to my shack, isn't it? And then this is where Noel uh, comes out. And goes, what the hell for, man? He goes, because when I left there, I turned the lights off. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so. He spends a bit of time up there. He's gone for a few hours, isn't he? Um, and then this is where Charles is kind of like looking out the window, going, Yeah, you know, he spent a lot of time. Well, we're going to need to basically defend the place. Um, and then you get Nalls come back don't you by himself and he's basically said you know they've got Mac you know I found his clothes all shredded up and I cut him loose so then Charles has now taken control wasn't he and he's like boarding up all the doors and this is where you get like a scene where the door handle's starting to twist now isn't it and it's obviously Mac outside and then they open the door up i think charles gets Co- the axe out doesn't he yeah old argy just covered with snow and it's a good scene isn't it? he's just literally shivering isn't he with some dynamite isn't he, he goes anybody comes near me i'm gonna blow you up isn't it like that
1: he said the storm was coming he went not line man yeah, that, that's a, yeah you walk outside you have a a majestic beard and there's snow about yeah uh, yeah
0: but like I say, Jay, he's got all the lines, isn't he? He goes, "Get back, get way back." Anybody fucks with me, and he goes, "From now on, nobody's getting out of my sight," isn't it? And just, ah, oh, just he's just turned into a total badass now, isn't he? Yeah. So, um, so this is where you get the petri dish, isn't it? He's got everybody tied up on the couch, including Gary. He doesn't want to be tied up on that fucking couch all winter, does he? <laughs> nope. Nope, he don't. Uh, And then um, RJ's now saying that he's thought about it. He said that he now believes that, you know, this thing, it's not like human tissue where it just bleeds. The thing is almost like an individual. Um, It will look after itself, you know, in, in, in a sort of single cell, isn't it? So he's now burning up some wire. He starts hitting the blood, doesn't he, with a petri dish. And it's quite a tense moment, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Because when you first watch this, you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? And...
1: I love what happens. But let me tell you, I can't watch with a straight face anymore.
0: Go on. There was an episode
1: of South Park. Oh, yeah? I think it was where they, where they decided everybody had cooties. So do the same exact thing in South Park. And Cartman has the, the jacket on and the fake beard on. And he's doing the Petri dish thing. And, he, of course, he, he, he makes the... The petri-disco nuts when it comes to kenny because kenny's poor of course kenny's poor so they gotta they gotta make fun of him but um for for, for that reason i i can't watch the straight face anymore because south park did a terrific parody of it and i can't stop laughing yeah. <laughs> it just
0: happens yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny isn't it how when you see something like that you just can't unsee it can you do you know what i mean and and the other well, thing it's
1: done, a lot love. it's done a lot of love i know they they love the film and it just was done it's oh, as, yeah. as like a In homage to this,
0: you know. It's all done in jest, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's all good stuff. (laughs) And the other thing I can't see as well, Gary, is once someone said about this, is that when RJ is holding the Petri dish. So that scene that we're coming up to now when he's got Palmer blood. So his hand is not a real hand in front of him. It's like a prosthetic hand, isn't it, for the special effects? so yeah. now when I see that I can't unsee that but before obviously yeah, it was quite a clever effect but
1: <laughs> well, there are there are worse effects in, in movies that came out after this movie I mean just look at that bathroom scene in Terminator you can tell me th- what looks worse okay yeah
0: exactly <laughs> so then again you know RJ comes out with that another line isn't it he goes um, I never did trust you child isn't it he goes that's why I'll do you last isn't it like that or, or no is it Doc with the keys one of the two he says I'll do you last so then he puts that hot wire on and all of a sudden that's it like that isn't it oh yeah but it does
1: that a lot bouncing
0: Palmer isn't it he's sort of knocking backwards and forwards and he? he's turning into the thing Windows is having a foul isn't he with his flamethrower and he just freezes doesn't he he just sort of looks up and he gets um, he gets destroyed doesn't he he gets decapitated by oh yeah. Palmer thing Oh, Jay's trying to sort of get his flamethrower working, but it keeps on malfunctioning, doesn't it? Um, so then he finally gets the flamethrower to go, doesn't he? He flames it, and then the Palmer thing sort of starts running outside, and it? it goes through the door, and then it's where Mac follows it out. And apparently, this is this was supposed to be some real dynamite as well with Mac. You know, this is old school filmmaking in the 80s where. Kurt Russell actually threw some dynamite and actually blew up in front of him. And when he gets blown back, that was for real, apparently. Um, either, him the, either him or the stuntman, who knows? It was possibly the stuntman, but I'd, yeah, I, I think it might have even been Kurt Russell uh, reading up on the trivia. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, but I think that's the other thing that makes this film is that those... The fact that this set was built in... Uh, I think it was built in Canada in based British Columbia and they actually built this set and they blew it up so all the explosions and flamethrowers and everything in this film was all real it was like no CGI or anything like that uh, which is the reason why I think this film holds up today for that very reason so like I say you've got some commotion, you've got the palmer thing um, they continue with the petri dish um, And then this is where you get the scene with Clark, isn't it? Where Clark says, um, you get some tension now, don't you, between him and RJ? And this is where, you know, RJ's saying, um, he's talking to Charles, isn't he? And he says, you know, I mean it, Charles. I'm going to kill you like that, isn't it? And then this is where Clark comes around with a knife, isn't it? And then he shoots Clark through the head. And then Charles comes out and goes, oh, I guess you mean it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's how serious I am man this is the point that I've got to so then he does the rest of the blood test works out that everybody else at this point is now clean and this is a bit where you get that funny scene it's where you get some horror but then you get some humour don't you where Gary's like I know you guys have all been through a lot but I don't want to spend the rest of the winter and tied to this fucking couch <laughs> no, that's great it's like fucking brilliant <laughs> I mean you can see
1: you can see like the tension like the real tension on his face which makes it so funny Yeah, he, he's did all that line delivery is hilarious
0: yeah so now you've got RJ he says right we've got to go and test out um, um Blair and Childs remains doesn't he at the camp he says you know if you see Blair don't hesitate to blow him up or destroy him so they go to the tool shed Blair's not there, but they find a hole in the ground, and this is a pretty, another cool scene, isn't it? Where they go into like an underground cabin, and Blair's been pretty busy up there, hasn't he, Gary? Do you know what I mean? He's built himself a flying saucer underground.
1: Yeah, just getting getting ready to bounce, I guess, man. Yeah, so, uh, back to his alien world, I guess.
0: So they, this is where the dynamite comes out. They they blow up the tool shed. They blow up the um, flying saucer. Um. Knoll's TK car, he looks back at the camp and he just sees Child run away, doesn't he? He sees him run away into the um, snow. So they go back to the um, camp and then all the lights go off, don't they? I think. And then they find out the generator's gone. So they go down into the basement and then this is where Gary comes out and says, The generator's, generator's gone, RJ, oh, isn't it, or Mac? And then Mac goes, "Well, but can we fix it?" And he goes, "No, Macready, it's gone." You know what I mean? This thing—it's just vanished, is not (laughs) it? And this is the point where Mac now comes out and says, "Right, this is it. We're all dead. You know, there's no way we're getting out of this. This must be quite a difficult thing to actually say—to come to think that there is no way I'm getting out of this situation." We well, they got th- no, they got no generator now, and yeah.
1: it, it's 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 as cold as cold can get out there with that, that windstorm. Of course, just adding to the whole whole problem. And uh, yeah, they're they're in dire straits there.
0: And it's quite. It's almost like this is where Mac is quite heroic because he's almost accepted his fate, isn't he? To say right. I've now got to stop the my main objective now is to stop this thing from getting to a populated area, which means I'm gonna to have to sacri- we're gonna to have to sacrifice our lives. And then he just comes out with one of, again, he's got all the lines in this movie, isn't he? He goes, We're not gonna make it and neither is that thing. He says, we might just we're just gonna to have to bring this whole place down into the ice, isn't it? And then he's just they're just going around, aren't they, with dynamite and just blowing up the whole place, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? You're getting real explosions. Um, and then they go down to the basement don't they, and they start rigging up all the dynamite. Noel sees something in the, in the corner, doesn't he? He walks up. You don't really see what happens to him, do you? He just disappears. Yep. And then you get Gary, who's just tying up some dynamite. He hears something behind him, doesn't he? And then he just takes off his hat or something like that, doesn't he? And then he turns around. You've got a good old Blair there, haven't you? And this is probably one of the most gnarly scenes in the movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
1: This part freaks me out still to this day. Just sticks his hand in his mouth and just starts moving shit around. It's
0: a. I mean, you gotta say say to yourself, Gary, where else have you seen that in a horror movie?
1: No, nowhere else, man. Maybe society. Oh, yeah. The the shunting, and that's more disgusting than this, but still. the, the The look on Blair's face combined with him just sticking his hand inside of his face. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Ugh, you
0: know. <laughs> and then he just, he just walks off, did not he, with him dragging with his whole oh, yeah. hand around his skull, wasn't it?
1: I was like, I'll save this one for later. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you've got Macamune, and he's sort of going, how are you getting on down there? And he goes, I said, how are you? And he just turns around and just realises now, then he goes, this has just all gone to shit. And then he just lifts up the dynamite charge, doesn't he? And then all of a sudden, the thing just comes out, doesn't it? It's almost like a bit of a Jaws moment here, isn't it? Because it it kind of, all the floorboards start lifting up, is not it? As if the monster starts going towards him. And then it just punches out from the floor. And then you've got the Blair monster, haven't you? And it's just like a real, it's almost like the monster that you had at the beginning with the dogs, isn't it? Just the head pops yep. up.
1: What's combination of a few of the, you know, replicants there?
0: Yeah. And then you've got RJ now, haven't you? He's got his dynamite in his hand. And he just comes out with that final line, doesn't he? He just turns around and he goes, yeah, fuck you too, isn't it? <laughs> he just throws that dynamite. Does a tumble. Does a roll. And then the whole camp just blows up, doesn't it, with all the other detonators and stuff. And just... You, you get a roar of the thing, don't you, as soon as that explosion goes up as well, didn't you? You yep. get like a sort of, like a groan or something like that. And then after the explosion, the whole camp is burning. The temperature's starting to go down a little bit. And now you've got Mac wrapped up in a blanket with his JB and his hat. And he sat down by himself. And then this is where you get that classic scene, Gary, isn't it? You know, where... Yeah. Charles turns up, doesn't he? he? Just says, "Did anybody else make it?" And he goes, "Apparently not. It's just you and me, isn't it?" And then Charles comes out and says, "Well, I don't think the heat's going to last that long. It's going to be getting cold soon, isn't it?" And then RJ just comes back and goes, "No. I guess we're just going to have to sit back and wait and see what happens." <laughs> it's fucking. It's probably one of the most. Downbeat endings, but one of the most effective endings, one of the most talked about endings, I would say, in a movie as well, isn't it? Whereas I've seen this ending analysed by so many fans on the internet down to their breath, the reflections in their eyeballs, the dialogue. Um, There's a couple theories out there that Max, when he gives him the JB to Charles, apparently that's a Volotov cocktail. So when Charles drinks it, he's actually drinking fuel. And then this is where Charles, um, Mac goes. He starts laughing, doesn't he? And apparently some of the fans believe that it's Mac sort of smiling because he knows that Charles is actually the thing. So there's a couple of bits flowing around. What's your theory on that, Gary?
1: Well, you know, the whole... One of them does draw breath. I don't want to give that away. But you have to imagine that the, the thing itself would need oxygen, but it's never said. Yeah. Is it needs oxygen or not? I mean, it grows, it grows our lungs just, just like our lungs. So you'd imagine it needs oxygen, but it's never said, but again, it's all theories. And even Carpenter says, you know, it's, it's, it's left up to your own volition because he doesn't, he doesn't have an answer. And so none of what you guys say is correct altogether. Yeah. It's all, it's open for interpretation. And I love endings like that to anything. If it leaves you. I mean, I see the film called Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair. People bitched and moaned about that movie. It's like, it just ends. How do we know what happens next? I was like, you're not supposed to know what happens no. next. You know, just like this movie, you're not supposed to know what happens next. You're supposed, it's all up to your interpretation, what happens next.
0: Yeah, and it's um, it, it creates that discussion, doesn't it, for the horror fans like we do now. And I, I really like that discussion because I think that if we did have a, a sequel to this movie... Which, I'm going to say now, I don't really want one. I'm just happy with this film. Um, I'm happy just to have that discussion and that imagination. Because it's almost like John Carpenter's now saying, I'm going to leave it to you guys now. And you can think in your mind, RJ could be the thing, Charles could be the thing, they could be both human, they could... um, I don't think... They can't... There's one thing, one process of elimination. They can't both be the thing, can they? Because then the thing would amalgamate and it would just win, Yeah, I would say. Do you know what I mean? So some one of them two would have to be human, I would say. That's that. I'll put that card on the table. But whether which one is, or I guess you can make your own mind up. And, this, and then this is where I've seen a lot of people go back and some people even said that throughout the whole movie um rj mccready was assimilated quite early on and he's the guy who is creating all this carnage stuff like that do you know what i mean it's just this Maybe it can make a lot of sense if you think about it yeah he's the, he's the guy who has created all this he's got rid of everybody um and he's he's basically trying to get to the populated area so he gets rid of everybody else and it could be a plausible theory or the other one that I like to think that he is still human and he's taken care of it all and he survived. And yeah, do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, in some ways, I think that's quite a lot of fun for the audience just to have that discussion and have that kind of what if And you mentioned it mm-hmm. earlier, actually, you said mm-hmm. about invasion of the body statues. And if
1: you listen to the way, if you listen to the way Mac talks, you know, he'll tell you, you know, he says it in, right in the movie, that I know, I know that I'm human. Mm. Like he's confident about it. Like he's trying to, like trying to, like convince them. Them, yeah, yeah, I'm human. So the, I think the whole idea of him being the thing the whole time, just outsmarting everybody, w- would be very plausible. Because there's yeah. a lot of times he's not on screen when all this is going on.
0: Yeah.
1: mm Hmm. So but yeah, it's just, uh, very very plausible. I think
0: it's out there, people. So like I say, it's out for. Ev- ev- you know, people listening to this show, I'm, it's down to you to, basically it's open-ended for you to sort of make your own mind up really. And I think that's what makes this film, and that's, I think that's why this film has just become the classic that it has. And all the other elements, um, you know, it's it's a haunted house movie, it's an isolation movie. Um, the characters are great. There's some character development there. Real explosions, special effects by Rob Bottin. The music, um, it, everything feels really raw in this movie. Do you know what I mean? It feels really sort of tangible and real. Um, and like I say, that's, what, that's why I love this film. That's why I keep going back to it. Um, so yeah, all in all, man, it's. People will know I'm going to say this anyway, but it's a, it's a ten out of ten horror movie for me. It's up there, in my top five favorites for sure, man.
1: It's up, it's up there. I, I like it a lot. I. Me, myself, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10, because there's... I wouldn't even call it lulls. It's just, it's just parts of the film that, that take me out of it, because there's not a lot of lulls in this movie at all. But but those parts, people may love. Mm. So I can't say, you know you're wrong for loving this movie. And I love the movie, too. It's just, um and it sounds like blas- blaspheming if I don't love this movie. Yeah. I do love this movie, but it took, me, it took me a while to get there, much like RJ. Did, didn't like it right away, but...
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people would probably be quite surprised hearing me say that, but that's my honest answer because when I first watched it, I just thought, what the hell is this movie? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But after time, and I think that is... On the whole, that's what this film's all about, and maybe that's the reason why it didn't do very well because people just didn't get it. But after time, you've got to give it some time, and I think there are other films out there which just need a little bit of time for you to, you know... Appreciate, understand, probably like what we mentioned earlier, like oh. Prince of Darkness and that. You know, just uh, got to give it a bit of time, have a look at it, try and try and not compare it to another film. Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's not. You know, it's kind of like its own movie and that it's doing its own thing. No pun there. <laughs> yeah.
1: What yeah. he does is it people today they, they, they do not use their imaginations all that much i mean the younger people the older people like like you and me we use our imagination plenty mm. you know it needs to be laid out for them and it really it really if it's not laid out for them they get upset
0: yeah that's right that's a good point actually yeah yeah exactly and i think that's why i keep on revisiting these old classics because it does that for me um, the other thing I was going to mention, Gary, is the prequel to this movie that came out in 2011. Did you enjoy that movie? What's your thoughts on that? You know, I, I didn't hate
1: it, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I mean, you have every—if you're listening to the show, you have every right to hate it. But at the same time, if you knew the story behind the making of that movie, about basically they wanted to do a big practical effect movie, and they had a whole different script in mind. But like, basically, the filmmakers showed up, like. The to, to to set they said well guess what everything has changed we're doing everything CG yeah. so they basically got fucked out of their vision so imagine the film that you would have saw that that wasn't that film which I don't hate I think it's fun yeah it's just a little it's just a little wacky for my taste because the CG does does look a little off and I I referred I, I did it I was on another show talking about this and the 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 prequel <laughs> and I referred to it as the Kool-Aid Man meets Encino Man coming out of the ice like it did. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of funny when it comes out of the ice, but you know what? They didn't want the film to be that way, so I'll take the film with a grain of salt and not bitch about it so much. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave it at that too.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I would have liked it to have just been a Norwegian base without the Americans mm-hmm. because, you know, they... In, in the 82 one, they say it's a Norwegian camp, and when you see the footage, you're figuring that it's just that's all it is. They're talking Norwegian. That's it. And I think they could have done with just keeping it like that. Uh, that was my only criticism. Um, but you know what? I, I was entertained by. I kind of liked the way it did tie up with the 82 thing, especially at the end of the movie. There was even some uh, bits in the movie where there was an axe going through the wall. Which which kinda of ties up with the eighty two thing, so there's like little homages like that. So yeah, they had plenty of those of in there. Yeah. Um and I thought the I thought the casting it was really good as well. Um Oh, what's the name of that actress?
1: Uh Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> I know her very well. Trust yeah,
0: me. I'm sure you do, Gary. Nine, no, no nine yeah. for for the songs I have. I, I wouldn't expect anything more, mate.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a Scott Pilgrim fan. I've watched it plenty of times.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, and then talking about um, sequels to the thing, there was actually a computer game that came out on the um, PC and PlayStation. Yeah, from, the... what
1: Will, from, from what Willis said, it was pretty fun, that game. I, I, I haven't played it myself, but uh, my I've friend played... Willis, who's the, the big video gamer, had a yeah. good time with it.
0: I've played it, and I quite liked it, because you actually play a Marine, who's part of the rescue team. Mm-hmm. And it does tie things up, and I, I was quite a big fan of it, actually. Um, there's some good bits in it, there's some tense moments in there. It was all parts of what you had in the at thing, where there's like mistrust... And then you had the typical government organisation that came in to try and use the thing as a weapon. That type of thing. That's the type of road they were going down, you know. And it was down to this one marine to try and stop all that. It was kind of like the R.J. McCready character. And yeah. as a little bit of a spoiler, guys, um, people probably know this because this has been about for a long time. So um, John Carpenter actually, actually makes a cameo in this game as a doctor. And it is JC in sort of you know, computer generated effects and he does the voiceover to it so I thought that was quite cool, quite a good little cameo Um, and they also explain the RJ McCready fate as well, but I'm not going to mention that because I don't want to spoil that, so if anybody wants to check that out, have a look on 9 so so yeah, there you go Gary, that is the thing guys, Um, Gary, is there anything more you want to talk about this great movie, is there anything that you don't think we've covered there probably is, so I'll probably go back Um. and think I should have said that, but
1: you know, there's lots of stuff. I mean, I, and I think that I hope the folks that maybe have never seen the film before you know, can can hear what we're saying and watch it. But stuff's gonna be left unsaid all the time, and you know, I'm sure we'll take some shit for it. But you know, that's that's the name of the game. We take shit for stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's,
0: uh, it. that's 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 general film reviews, anyway, isn't it? I mean, you,
1: you, if you don't like it, do it yourself. Okay, yeah, it's all.
0: We can't please everybody, but we've given our thoughts and opinions and stuff like that, and that's kind of how we see it. So, um, uh, but what I do know is is that this film is getting the love that it deserves, and that pleases pleases me a lot. And every time this comes up on social media, it gets loads of likes and comments, and um, yeah, it's just a good, solid movie that probably deserves to get watched late at night with a couple of beers or a glass of wine or whatever, and just sit back and enjoy it. So there you go. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for um, stepping on board today for that, mate. I appreciate that. It's always good to have you on the show.
1: More than welcome, sir. More than welcome.
0: Um, before we end the episode, mate, what are you up to next with your show? Um, um have you I have
1: three, epi- three episodes to release, actually. So, a uh, Synth Beef podcast. Uh, like I said, one, one I was behind on, because uh, occasionally you run into snags that uh, you don't expect. Yeah. And these things these things happen and I've been away for two months, but I have three episodes to release, so look for those soon after this well, one of them soon after this one comes out, because RJ's uh has a much better work ethic than I have as far as <laughs> I go. So he uh, will he will make it happen for you guys to hear this very, very soon. And uh but those are coming and uh hopefully more um, more two drink Minim commentaries. More burning for springwood uh more of an unconfirmed project with an old friend that may or may not happen so i don't announce these things so it's, it's uh until they happen
0: yeah so. no I, I get that mate yeah oh I, yeah i do I'm, like I'm, so. fu- I'm, I'm funny like that okay
1: <laughs> i guess I, they were gonna do 80 because they were doing 80 shows but you know what? It it all it all comes out in the post production and I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, no, no, I get that, Gary. I'm I have had the same thing here, but you've stepped in to help me out with this one, mate, so it's much appreciated for this episode. And if you if
1: you, if you, if you hate it, tell me so too. I would love I would love that kind of feedback too. Just going <laughs>
0: if,
1: if you hate when I'm laying down. <laughs> <laughs> tell me.
0: Tell me I'm shit.
1: I, tell me I'm, tell me I'm shit I, I love I love that I love that kind of feedback too welcome to because because if I feel you're wrong I can tell you go screw yourself and it, it's a win-win situation
0: you know hey, you could just yeah you could just say what's the best feedback you ever had on this show well someone told me to fuck off and it was pretty good oh, yeah. it felt good
1: it felt good on that particular day I, it's something I needed in my life at the time you know it's, uh, yeah I felt cleansed so, I, I I, really i've heard so i've heard some stuff man from people's like youtube <laughs> comment sections i was like man these guys got too much fucking time on their
0: hands <laughs> <You know? laughs> fucking hell
1: oh dear analyze every little thing come on guys <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah yeah this is it oh man oh that's all good man well on that note um like i say mate it's, it's always good to have you here. I know we, talk, we talked about doing Jake's Speed, so we'll try and get that done in the future. Ooh, make it happen, sir. The other thing I've mentioned as well, I spoke to Court Syops. We had him on the show um, not long ago. We did Return of the Living Dead. We had a whole ton of fun with that. And we spoke about um, a film that you're familiar with, a film I'm familiar with, is Streets of Fire.
1: Quick quick section about Court Syops, okay? Oh, yeah. Fuck that guy, too. He, he brags way too much about how many shows he puts out. It's all i like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck
0: I, that guy too. Yeah. <laughs> cool are you listening to this show mate uh, I, oh I, I know he does he, he, knows, he knows i that know he does too, so. i know he does he's <laughs> thinking gary go fuck yourself too <laughs> was starting a bloody legion podcast worry i think bo ranz was gonna step in in a minute <laughs> oh that guy not even starting that guy no, that <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: he's the boss oh but if you guys can sort your shit out between you, I was going to invite you both on to talk about Streets of Fire before I get a little freeway conversation I think it going it, there, I think it'd so. be like
1: the fourth time I covered Streets of Fire, Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that. Well, guess what, Gary?
0: <laughs> Gary, it's going to be a fifth time on Bite Size Cinema, mate. Do you know what man I mean? Oh, I'm, I'm rinsing that movie with you, mate. All right? Okay? Okay, <laughs> man. So, make sure you watch it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Make sure you watch it again. I don't, I don't need to watch it. I'm throwing it out there, okay? You know? It might be something you might have missed. <laughs> oh, it could be, you know. <laughs> Let's see EG Daily one more time, okay? Oh, you know? man. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. That's where we got to at the end of the thing episode. Me and Gary have sat back to see what happens, and we've told each other to go fuck off. So, there you go. Hope you enjoyed the show.
1: Perfect ending to the program. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: we say that out love though oh yeah this is it yeah but we can't say that really can we but there you go alright Gary well thanks for that man um, I, thank you man uh, so guys for hang on a second a little bit of admin I am a proud member of the Legion podcast so please go and check out all the other shows there including Gary's shows uh, to drink minimum and cinema beef podcast I will be back soon for another episode. One I'm really looking forward to is The Goonies with um, Dan Bone. Me and him will be talking about that. So that will be dropping soon as well. And I'll be doing a couple of solo episodes. I'll be putting some stuff together, guys. So look out for that. Um, You can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and several other players on the internet if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion. And I've got a Facebook page as well, which is where I'm most active so put anything on there that you want any sort of feedback or comments or any films that you want me to have a look at so i'll be happy to have a look for you so there you go guys hope you enjoyed the show keep it bite-sized keep it safe and remember look out because the person sitting next to you might be the thing see you later